Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. The path through a 33-year corporate career to entrepreneurship is unmarked, unfolding amid opportunities and choices throughout the journey. Kathy Robinson began her career on Wall Street, spending 18 years working for large financial institutions in various internal audits and risk roles. She then spent 15 years at a Fortune 250 human capital management company, leading a global team, mentoring next-generation leaders, and co-leading diversity initiatives, retiring as its chief audit executive and chief risk officer in 2019. Kathy began training for endurance cycling and running events in her 50s and became immersed in holistic practices to keep well. Feeling more fit in her 50s than in her 30s, Kathy became a certified wellness coach, created Athena Wellness, and wrote a book entitled The Athena Principles, Simple Wellness Practices for Overworked Professionals. Kathy now coaches professional women as they strive towards new wellness goals or during times of life transition. She also leads virtual writing and meditation circles with the purpose of helping women connect with their inner wisdom and reimagine midlife as a time of opportunity, vitality, and new horizons. Our interview will continue after messages from our sponsors. Are you looking for a way to promote racial and social justice in your work setting, but aren't quite sure what to do or how? As a leader, you know there is more that can be done, but it seems overwhelming. If that describes you, join Dr. Jean Ladding and her expert team in the Pathfinders Membership Program. They provide you with knowledge and skills in a supportive community on how to champion change using work that is grounded in research. To learn more, go to leadingconsciously.com forward slash pathfinders or email Info at leadingconsciously.com. Welcome, Kathy Robinson. How are you? I'm doing great, Lily. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready to go. Yes, you are. So, Kathy, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Sure. Uh, well, I've lived in the New York City area my entire life. And, you know, looking back, it's humorous that in college, I was voted most likely to become an entrepreneur and then graduated with a ton of student debt and promptly went to work for Fortune 500 companies for the next three plus decades. (laughs) So I started my career on Wall Street. I worked there for 18 years 
and then for an HCM company where I spent 15 years, half of them as their chief risk officer and their chief audit executive. So a few years ago, I began to think about, well, what is the second act of my career? What does that look like? And I asked myself a question that I had never asked before, which is, how do you want to spend your time, Kathy? <laughs> and that was a question I really had to sit with for a while. And I found that the answer was actually on my bookshelves. Everything that I was reading, whether it was on planes, I had a, a global role. I was in the airports a lot. It was all about healthy eating and endurance sports and weight training. But along with that were things like writing and creativity and spirituality, simplicity and meditation and nature, all under this umbrella of wellness. So during all this time, you were reading books like that. Exactly. Exactly okay. right. So, you know, what I would consider of like, what is living a good life? Like all these books answering those types of questions. Mm -hmm. And so my decision was, well, how do I spend as much time as possible in that space, in whatever this next act might be? So while I was still working in corporate, I studied to become a certified wellness coach. Didn't even know that profession existed. <laughs> mm -hmm. so I did some research and I created Athena Wellness Enterprises. And in my last year of corporate, which was last year, 2019, I started blogging and writing the book, The Athena Principle, Simple Wellness Practices for Overworked Professionals. So now I get to spend my days helping busy professionals, of which I once was <laughs> one of those, mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs optimize their well-being. And I do that through coaching and blogging, articles, speaking. And I just developed some online writing and meditation practice offerings, and that's just to help people deepen their wellness journey. So you wrote a book as well, right? I did, yeah. So tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, as a coach, I really wanted to be able to share my wellness methodology and my philosophy. I feel better in my mid-50s than I did in my mid-30s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so... Is it because we don't really listen at 30? There was a big part of that, for sure. So, you know, I was on Wall Street at the time. It was work hard, play hard. And yeah, mm -hmm. I wasn't taking the best physical care of myself. But over these last 20 years, I really learned a lot. And so to be able to codify it in a way that was useful for others was really the task of writing the book. So the book shares the evolution, not only of my wellness journey, but of some others. My intent was to help the readers reconnect with their mind, body, and spirit through simple wellness practices that really were designed to treat themselves like how do we treat ourselves with compassion? Self-compassion is the first principle in the book and it was actually the last principle I learned. It's not an easy one for most right. leaders who are type A's, right? right. Um, how to uncover that deep motivation for changing the lifestyle? Like why do you want to change your lifestyle if you do? How to show up for yourself consistently and with enthusiasm and a positive attitude? how to create a customized self-care plan. I didn't want to write a book that said, follow these five things and you know this is what will happen on the end. So how do you tailor it for yourself? And then how do you develop a support system to make it sustainable over time? So in the book, there's tools and principles and practices. The tools are really meant to assess current state of wellness and track progress. The principles sound very simple. It's self-compassion, intention, consistency, positive mindset and accountability, 
but we go deep in them with related practices that are writing practices, meditation practices, and positive actions. And these have been developed for busy people that don't have time to sit on a cushion for an hour. You know, this is written to be accessible for both non-writers and non-meditators and people who have a very busy lifestyle. You know, in all that you said, it's under the umbrella of sustainability. And I love that because oftentimes when we hear all this, we say, especially if we're a type A, I have to do all this at once, not really having in our awareness that this is a long game. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> and I think so many times that short game, we tend to make those decisions based on what we see, social media, what's our surroundings. And it's like, well, how do we actually really make the decisions that are right for us at this point in our lives, wherever that might be for somebody. And so where can we connect with you? The best way is athenawellness.com. And if you go to athenawellness.com slash action plan, there's a free download that has an overview of what I just talked about, the principles, and you can do a little action plan on your own. And the book is on Amazon. If you put in Athena Principles, Kathy Robinson, You'll see a paperback, an ebook, and if you're liking my New Jersey accent, there's also an audiobook. <laughs> I love that. And I think this is so important. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with 20 and 30 year olds and 40 year olds about self care. And I don't know if this happened to you, but I know for me, I didn't listen in my early years and I oh, so plowed through. And I wish to impress, and I know that you do too, which is why you're doing the work that you do, yeah. impress on the younger generation or even people our age, how important taking care of yourself is, especially when you're younger, because then we're going to feel it on the back end, right? Exactly. And it's going to take so much more to get better. And I'm an example of that. I had burnouts and it took a toll on my body and nothing else matters but your health. Um, without a doubt, without a doubt. And in fact, I go into, there were three particular wellness turning points, 35, 40, 45-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and each one of them went deeper and deeper. The first one was what you would think, right? It's, it's exercise and nutrition. I was just out of shape. I wasn't taking good care of myself, the things that you're talking about. But by the time I hit my 40s, it was more about, I was, that's when I left Wall Street because I was completely burnt out. And then in my mid-40s, it was more about purpose and living in alignment with my values. And even when I had those realizations, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So I love that idea of long game because yeah. that's really what this is all about. And that takes a lot of pressure off in the moment that people can take small steps. And over time, you really do cover a lot of ground. And I'm mm -hmm. living proof of that. And now I believe you said that in high school, you were voted to be <laughs> most likely to be an entrepreneur, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and it was, it's funny to me that other people saw that. Yeah. You didn't see it yet until later on. <laughs> I came from a blue collar upbringing and owning my own business wasn't even in the realm. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting that other people did see that in you. And as we get older, we maybe, not all of us, try to listen a little bit more or we get humbled out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Kathy, at the time of this interview, we're um, hopefully on the tail end of the global pandemic. We've gone through a lot and we continue to not know where this is going. And so there are a lot of unknowns. How has this affected you? Mm. Well, personally, I have a cousin, thankfully still have, my age, who almost died from COVID. And conversely, 
My 98-year-old father tested positive twice at his senior living facility and remained completely asymptomatic for his month-long quarantine back in May. Bless him. Mm -hmm. Still doing great. He received the hero's welcome as he walked his hallway (laughs) back to his room. Mm -hmm. So both sides of that. Professionally, you know, when I wrote the book, I had no idea. None of us did. We'd be experiencing such high levels of stress. And you, know, you use the word uncertainty. We're uncertain about our future, not only individually and collectively, but yes, we're in the middle of this pandemic. We're also in the middle of great social change. Like, it's amazing what's going on around us, the amount of change in such a short period of time. So all of this creates a need to, as you say, take good care of ourselves, right? And so I think about it in two ways. First of all, we have those that are on the front lines. And every time I get the chance to say thank you, and say thank you. So for the folks that are still impacted, whether it's through profession and keeping the world turning, now we've got other challenges like our firefighters out on the West Coast, but also those impacted by the disease. So for those people that have been really impacted, perhaps the best they can do from a wellness standpoint is just practicing self-compassion, giving themselves just a little bit of time to say, acknowledging you're doing the best you can. And you know, when I was at my busiest and most burnt out, I used to do a five minute hand over heart. I used to set my alarm in the morning when I got up for five minutes and just take a deep breath and say for the next five minutes, nobody needs you and you don't need to make a decision. Like what a gift that is when you are really combating these very high stress situations. And for those folks that are doing that, for the rest of us who get to shelter in place or get to have a different type of experience, it does give us the ability, if we're not homeschooling our kids or taking care of work, to take a look at our self-care practices and to see how might we be able to slow our activity? How might we be able to give ourselves some quiet time and find out what we need to do to honor what we truly need? What's important to me is going to be different for you. So what is that thing for you now in these times? And so the practice and exercises that I do myself and I would recommend are really about connecting to the still point. You mentioned before listening, right? How do we actually connect to the still point? A mentor of mine once said, your life wants to speak with you. And I just love that because still point is about quieting all the noise that's around us that is going to be there regardless. And being able to allow us to hear our own wisdom, because as we know, life doesn't speak in complete sentences. It's like in glimpses. And if we're not paying attention, it's easy to miss that. I think about this image of Athena and this epitome of self-agency. She had the wisdom and she had the strength. How can we access that? How are we able to take this time to be able to go within and to find our unique path and use our own inner knowing to be able to find a new way forward? I have found freedom for myself in these times to know that I have a choice on how I'm going to re-engage when the time comes. It's going to be different. We have all changed. The world has changed significantly. We are not the same folks we were six months ago. Uh, We're not the same world we were. So we have the choice. How is it that we want to re-engage with the world? Do we want to keep up the pace that we were before? Or do we want to try something a little different? And this is a beautiful time to be able to have that little bit of space to think about and be mindful as we step forward. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Did you know there's an island in the Mediterranean where the cost of living is a fraction of where you live now? 
with a property value is one-third of any other Mediterranean country, where you can swim in the cleanest waters in Europe, where you can enjoy 300 days of sunshine, eat organic food, live in one of the safest countries in the world, while being surrounded by breathtaking sea and mountain views. Welcome to North Cyprus. The amazing quality of life on the island of Cyprus has been known for many centuries. Many come to Cyprus today to invest in a booming property market. Win Campus is a unique concept where growth-minded individuals come together to focus on optimal health, collaboration, business growth, and building a lifelong community like you've never experienced before. To learn more, go to MasterYourTravel.com and learn about investing in a place where you come alive. You spoke about practices, Kathy, and, you know, the practice of holding your hand over your heart. I think that's so important and it's only five minutes. And if we can keep practicing that, that's really helpful. One of the things that I'm practicing, especially with this divisiveness in what we're seeing in the world today, is practicing having and holding honoring conversations, even with people who think very differently or were raised or have a different social narrative from me and that I'm not always right. So it's honoring in conversation, listening to other people and also not making negative assumptions. And those are things that I have to practice daily because as human beings, we're very judgmental. And I believe that that's important, especially as we continue to connect socially. I loved your practice. It's a beautiful discipline that I haven't really thought about characterizing it quite that way, but I really do believe that the actions that we are personally taking at this time collectively are really adding to the change. So as you were speaking, I literally got the chills. Mm. So I think what you're doing is a mindful meditative approach of how you're living your life now. And it has tremendous benefits, not only for yourself, because there's a lot of self-learning in there. And we all have those edges that we come up against, but I really do believe that it contributes to the broader good of the world. And so I would just encourage your listeners, as we think about that, that if people are really stressed at this time, there are steps that we can do ourselves that I believe add to the collective good and our steps moving forward. So I just wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that because I just think that it was a beautiful sentiment. Well, thank you. I've been working hard at it. Hard work. With a group of people and having an inner circle that speaks into my life. So that's important. We can't do it alone. And you're right. You know, how we work on ourselves really does have that ripple effect on others. Absolutely. Um, And so, Kathy, as clearly a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? It's a great question. This past year has really been about business, but I say that very broadly because somebody once told me that your business is really like any other relationship you have. It's a mirror of you and your strengths and your weaknesses. And boy, is that true. (laughs) So I would say, you know, just to take a step back and how I think about this, two things really keep me engaged. And that is my morning and evening routines, because that provides a sustaining structure for what I'm learning. And then it's this idea of an ongoing learning curriculum. For me, I'm a very active person, so learning is play, and I really enjoy learning. So creating this business has been a really great opportunity for that. But I would say my learning over the last few years really relates to building foundation for the business. But there is much more 
personal interaction that comes into that. How do I decide when I'm building a virtual team? Those decisions had to be made. Who are my mentors? Who are my peers? Who am I accepting into my client circle? How do I want to reach out to potential clients? I want to surround myself with people that I want to be with. I mean, that's the whole point of this second act, right? Of just being engaged and enthusiastic about life. So lucky for me, we live in times where we have access to more information than ever. And so I really kind of kept it simple. And I do keep an ongoing inventory of the things that I'm interested in, the things that kind of light me up. And I look out for opportunities and then I just keep them going. I usually have more going than I can really (laughs) work with. As a type A. (laughs) Exactly. It ranges from reading books, blogs, from looking at things online, other people's websites. I love podcasts. I love audiobooks. Informal training. I find the people that have just come into my life have been uh, incredibly helpful over these last couple of years. I am a big fan of learning by doing. So I can only take so much of a logical approach and then I have to try it and see what works and what doesn't. So, you know, learn a little bit about blogging, get out there and start doing it. Learn a little bit about teaching, get out there and start doing it and failing fast and making some adjustments. Mm. I found emulating some of my mentors. And when I say mentors, this could be a famous writer that I've never met. But what is it that I can learn from this? I love hearing about people's processes and how they do things. And I might pick one thing up that's useful for me. You know, it creates this beautiful quilt that over time, you know, from all of these different places that actually you start to embody some of these practices. So emulation, there's a practice that I outline in the book that I do myself of looking at your future self. So doing this visualization, you know, 20, 25 years in the future and that vision of who that person is, has been really interesting because I find myself, especially in this quiet period, what would this person do? You know, if I feel very inspired by who this woman is becoming, meaning me, what is that I can do today? And what is it that I can implement today? I don't want to get there because that's nearing the end of my life. I want to take my time. But what are the practices that I can put in place that will bring me closer to that mentality? And then I would say that, you know, once I found something I loved, whether it was coaching or writing, I really tried to put it in practice to try to find community and then just doing it over and over again and learning from what went right and what didn't go right. So mm-hmm. I think for me, learning is about giving myself permission to experiment and to have some fun. This is why I do what I do, because good, effective leaders who want to pour into others, that gives me so much hope what I'm finding and what I continue to find is how we take ourselves on and we continue to grow. So I love that. Thank you so much. Now, Kathy, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? Well, at the risk of sounding like some old Gen Xer, and I make it just by a year, when I look back on my career, my corporate career, Mm -hmm. I think what helped me most when I reached the executive ranks was the time I invested to get there. More specifically, it was how I used that time. And I think one of my silent strengths was being able to assess my weak spots and addressing them before I needed that skill. So as an example, I was not a natural born speaker. I'm more comfortable writing. And so back in my 20s, I volunteered to teach for a professional organization. So it was around audit and risk. I was comfortable in that space. But by the time I was leading a team and had to get up in front of them, or I was in the boardroom and had to give a presentation, I already knew 
how to craft a message and how to deliver it. So that is just one example. My experience with the next generation of leaders, and this is just my experience, this isn't a blanket statement on all folks that are up and coming, but it was my experience that they may not want to invest the time up front and their preference was to learn on the job. While that's laudable, I feel like it's short-sighted and I don't think it's going to serve them long-term because what I learned in what I call the apprenticeship, so those early years, was yes, there was some skill building and some evolution, but there's more importantly, emotional maturity. So how do you stay steady in unpredictable times as a leader and perspective? And this is critical. How do you navigate and affect change in corporate cultural landscape? You know, so how do you do it in your corporation? That's something that takes a long time to learn. You have to learn the players, you have to learn the rules, and you have to learn how to make positive change in ways that people want to help you do that. Mm -hmm. And that comes with longer term experience. That's the first part of your question. The second part about being hopeful, I have a lot of hope for Gen Z. From what I can see, these folks grew up with technology. They have a very independent spirit, which I love critical thinking in that, it seems to me open-minded and problem-solving, which I really love as well. And I think not only will they rethink and reshape our workplace, but I think they will do that for our world at large. So I'm very helpful there. And I'm also the proud aunt and godmother of four in that generation. Mm. So I'm looking forward to doing all I can to helping them in their development to be able to support that. I have a Gen Zer, and um, the millennials are also, when I think of what they're facing and how they're changing the world as well, it's important. We love them too, right, Kathy? We love them too. <laughs> My first nieces and nephews are millennials. These are great nieces and nephews that yeah. are, are Gen Zs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that you spoke about was that a title of leadership doesn't necessarily make you a leader. Yeah. And like you said, most people wait to get that role and then figure they can learn on the job. But it's so important to change that mindset and think about, I need to learn. I need to learn to be a great leader. The title doesn't make you a leader. Exactly. And you know, it's been my experience too that if you show you can affect change at the lowest levels, so you know a lot of the conversations I used to have at work was, well, I don't have anybody reporting to me, so how can I be a leader? It's like, well, you could be a leader of peers. The more you can show you can influence the next level up and maybe the level above that, the more people see that there's potential and want to work with you and want to mentor you and want to bring you into the fold in some way. That was true for me, and I hope that that's the case for folks who are looking to progress don't wait, just start, start where you are, you know, whether it's wellness or business, the principles are the same. That's right. Okay, Kathy, so we have an option for you. You can either respond to a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, a struggle, a failure that you've learned from. I have got to go. I have got to roll the dice. I know you'll be kind <laughs> to me. Lately, so. Let's roll the dice. Let's roll the dice. Okay. So Bill Bice wants to know, how is your business creating progress in your community? That's a great question. I love that. So I'm going to define my community in the time of a pandemic broadly and virtually. Mm -hmm. And one of my hopes is that having the corporate background that I have, that I can be a bridge between 
this corporate type A thinking that we've been talking about. And the more right-brained, esoteric kind of softer side, and to know that it's the combination of the two, you know, getting back to Athena, it's the strength and the wisdom that really creates what I call wholehearted living, right? So really having a life that reflects who you are at the deepest levels. So my hope in creating this and creating this community is to inspire, especially women at midlife, that I believe our best years are ahead of us. And, you know, knowing that I feel better now than I did 20 years ago, I am incredibly energized and very enthusiastic about living life and living it in a way that I haven't had the opportunity to do that before. And I want to be that role model. One of the quotes that I have in my office is the life you live is the lesson you teach. And that is what I'm hoping to offer this group of people that I feel was the generation of you've come a long way, baby. And like, you can have it all. Now it's like, what do you really want? Let's go for that. And I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to reframe this midlife experience. And so that's what I'm hoping to offer the community. That's beautiful. And legacy, which is what you're talking about, leaving a legacy. We don't have to wait till we're older. We can think into our future. And what does it mean to leave a legacy? And, you know, and I think legacy takes care of itself. When you're really living aligned with what matters most to you, legacy takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. You speak a lot about strength and wisdom, Athena, right? When I think of strength and wisdom, I think in my personal opinion, and also from experience, this cannot be accomplished without humility. What do you think about that? Yeah. I'll tell you, as I went up the corporate ranks, it's very humbling to be a leader because what is reflected back at you, who you are in your heart and how you show up, people will tell you and will call you when they feel you're not practicing what you preach. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that it's a very humbling experience for sure, as is business, as is wellness, as is life in general. You know, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, very humble blue collar beginnings. Those roots keep me rooted no matter what I did in my corporate career. My family would never let me be that corporate executive. We were always the (laughs) family, Irish family. Yeah. That, you know, back to the roots, that's humbling as well. And so we talk about these beautiful disciplines. It's a beautiful discipline to remember who you are, where you came from. The humbling part is that are you actually showing that in community? Are you actually reflecting that? Because when we are not mindful We can think we're doing something and we're really not because you know who you are in your heart. And when there's that disconnect, that can be a humbling experience, but it's a good one because it realigns us and it also invites conversation. And anytime you can invite conversation, that's a really healthy thing. And the importance of having people speak into your life as you spoke about your family and those people who don't have family like that have an inner circle. And I speak about this a lot. Be really mindful about who you invite into your inner circle, people who you trust, who love you, who want the best for you. And that's how you stay humble because they will tell you about yourself. (laughs) But, But if you want strength and wisdom, then it cannot come without humility. And I've tried. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work happen. It doesn't work that way. Um, 
So Kathy, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? As a chief audit executive, I ask questions for a living. So knowing your format here in the podcast, I will tell you offline, I came up like with a half dozen, but for the purposes of the podcast, my question would be as a leader, what do you do each day to keep yourself well so you can be of service to others? And how do you encourage well-being in your teams? Those are fantastic questions. So thank you. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? To wrap up, I would just offer a gentle reminder to your listeners to not forget that the whole point of taking good care of yourself is to live wholeheartedly, to fully embrace who you are and to do the things that light you up with the people you love. And if you're not feeling that way, it may be an invitation to look more deeply and to do some exploring with self-compassion, as we've talked about, and with curiosity, like, why is that? No matter your age or your level of wellness, I believe you can enhance your vitality and your well-being if you reconnect with that still point that we've talked about and just take small steps. It's never too early or too late. And most of all, I would just wish your listeners very best years ahead and to enjoy the journey along the way. It's a beautiful ride. And to connect with you, athenawellness.com. Correct. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much, Lily. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.